Welcome to Diabetes Technology Report, co-hosted by endocrinologist David Klonoff from UCSF and David Kerr from Sutter Health. Welcome to Diabetes Technology Report. This is the podcast devoted to diabetes technology. I'm Dr. David Klonoff. I'm an endocrinologist at Mills Peninsula Medical Center in San Mateo and UCSF. I'm going to introduce our other co-host, Dr. David Kerr, who will introduce our guest today. Thanks, David, and hello to everyone listening today. I'm David Kerr. I'm a diabetes researcher and based in Santa Barbara, California. Today's very special guest is Guido Freckman, who many of you know is really a world authority on glucose monitoring in all of its shapes and forms. So welcome, Guido. It's great to see you and hear from you, rather. Um, just to begin, for our listeners, really to set the scene, how did you get interested in diabetes, technology, glucose monitoring? Where did that come from? Yes, David, thank you very much for your kind introduction. Uh, to introduce myself, I'm, I'm Guido Freckmann from the Institute of Diabetes Technology in Ulm, Germany. And it was a bit accidental that I came to glucose monitoring. So I came to this institute in 1999, starting with research on algorithms, today you would say for AID systems. And uh, from these studies, we, we gathered a lot of BGM data. And uh, after a couple of years of uh, these studies, we started with the evaluation of BGM data and then recognized that there uh, became a standard available. And so we started performing studies according to this standard. So what are you working on at the moment in this area? What's, what's your passion today? Yes, so, so after working more than 10 years, so we did lots of evaluation studies uh, with, with BGM. We in parallel did uh, many studies for, for the development of CGM or for, for CGMs under development. And uh, <clears throat> currently we perform both. So in the last years, we tested a couple of uh, CGMs, which are currently under development, and we also performed BGM studies. And uh, uh, since 1999, I'm chairing a working group on CGM to bring something that's already available in BGM, an international standard, also to the CGM scene. And uh, I'm very proud that David Klonoff is also one of the members of this working group. And uh, we are looking on study procedures, on, on metrics, and under gaps that's left by the current uh, guidelines and uh, performed some publications and some work in the last years. And um, <clears throat> Our goal is to to support uh, the development of an of an international standard to to make CGM uh, studies more more comparable. Guido, why do you feel that it's important to make CGM standards comparable? Yeah, I think there are currently some really good uh, good uh, CGMs available, but the whole study procedures are not. 
define that it's difficult to compare uh, the results of different studies. And especially now we see, especially here in Europe, many devices coming from Asia now, uh, and most of them are proposing a very good mark. And it's it's very difficult to, to distinguish, is this really the accuracy you will have in, in daily life or what is better and what is worse. And, and it would be very helpful if we have a standardized procedure that you can better compare uh, different devices and see is it good for adjunct, adjunctive or non-adjunctive use. Wido, do you think that MARD is the best metric for defining the performance of a CGM and could you also comment on the metric that you developed, CG Diva? Yeah, so I would say MART is the most used metric for CGM because it's it's only one parameter and it's yeah easy to to show and this. Gino, just for just for our listeners, can you just explain MART just so that everyone's clear what that means? Thanks. So the MART is a mean relative absolute difference, and it's a comparison between the CGM data and the comparator data, which is typically a BGM or a a BGM lab device. And uh, you take the average of all the differences you measure in a study, and it's really very dependent on study design, on frequency of measurements, and so on. And uh, so it's averaging a lot and not really showing the difference in the details. And that was a reason for us to to develop the CG Diva, which is based on the ICGM criteria of the FDA. And we try to visualize uh, the data to show the median and the distribution and to give on a visual base, more information than the MART has or the MART provides. Guido, one more question. If something, if a device has a high CG diva, meaning that there's a wide distribution, how would you use a device like that differently than another device which has a narrow distribution? Yeah, if it's, so I would first look, we have proposed two plots, so an, an, an average plot, a plot including all the data, and then a plot with the single devices. And I would look, how are the single devices are working? Is there a, 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 a high distribution between the devices? Is there a high difference between single devices? And uh, if the, or is there a, a systematic bias which is reproducible and, and you can correct for, or is there a high no- noise? So looking on all this data, you can distinguish between the devices and say, okay, it's it's good for this or probably not so good for, for that goal. Guido, just taking that rather technical description there, looking at it from the point of view of people with diabetes, why is this important? Um, and does it matter in different situations, this accuracy? Why does it really matter? I think it, it, it matters, especially if the, and that's another proposal we made for the study procedures, if there is a higher rate of change and you should be warned before a hypo, and if you have a long time delay, the warning is probably late. And uh, these are situations 
where the study procedure is important. And uh, for the MART, in the CGDVA, you can see for the lower values and the higher values, is there the same bias or is there probably a different bias that hypos are over or underestimated? And that uh, can really have impact for, for the diabetic uh, and for the hypo <coughs> warning and, and other things in his daily life. So, th so this is really important and probably it's going to affect the decision-making about which technology is the most appropriate for people with diabetes. This is where this is going. Guido, what would you say uh, is the effect of safety if you have either a high MARD or if you have a, a, a wide uh, CGD, but will this affect safety? So it, it, it it's very interesting to look, especially on the single sensors. If you have a high distribution of all the sensors, I think this affects safety. If most of the sensors are looking good, but only one or two are deviating, it could affect safety for this one or two, and it's important to, to detect them. And uh, yeah, I think it depends on the on the degree of of differences uh, in this plot uh, if it affects safety or not, but it can affect. Guido, are you seeing products coming onto the market in Europe where there's no published data about their accuracy? Yeah, most of the products coming to the market have their own data. And uh, the question is how this data are achieved. Is there how many rates of change, distribution of values, and so on. So we tested last year a device that proposed to have an MRRD below 10. And with a factory calibrated mode, it was about double the MRD, and with one day calibration, it was still 15. So um, I think it's very important to have comparable procedures to really see, to, to get comparable values, output values out of it. Yeah. So it seems that's very reassuring for people with diabetes and clinicians that this accuracy question needs to be constantly thought about. I'm sure many of our listeners would like to know, where do you see non-invasive devices at the moment? Where are they at the moment in terms of accuracy? Is this really going to happen soon, or is this still a pie in the sky? So, so my insight into non-invasive uh, devices is limited. But I know some devices which can already measure. I'm not sure in all devices around there. And interestingly, we bought two, um, yeah, two watches who said they can measure sugar from Asia. And my colleagues wear these watches uh, uh, two days and uh, they show on each day the same curve. And on the third day, we gave it to a banana and the banana showed the same curve like my colleague. Oh, so these watches are already available. You, we got them for, from 50 to 200 uh, euros. Uh, and, uh, and I think in future, will we, we will have working non-invasive devices. But I think, as I know, the current non-invasive devices are there where CGM was about 10 years ago or a little bit more. 
And they are developing and they will come, but I think we need some more time. Guido, what advice would you give to a scientist who wants to develop a new glucose monitor? Yeah, I think many people, especially in the development of non-invasive devices, are very optimistic and they should be in some case realistic and, and looking what are the first steps you need to go step by step. And, and you will not have with the first device, and that's the same with CGM sensors, you will need some years to improve your algorithms and your device to be in the status where the current CGMs or BCGMs are. Uh, is there anything else that you'd like to tell the audience about your experiences or your recommendations? Yeah, currently I already told that we are we submitted a procedure we think is very important uh, to to use a, a comparable procedure for the studies and we are currently preparing a study for this and uh, currently looking for funding which is not very easy and uh, i hope we can get the funding that we uh, can perform a study with the currently well-known devices to set something like a benchmark with a study where is it if we use more parameters like CGDVA and not only MRD with a really defined uh, study procedure. You know, just a philosophical question. Is it ever going to be the case that the difference is going to be zero? Or is there a, what's the holy grail of accuracy for glucose monitoring? Do we know what that is or is it just so, so if you measure, that's a very good question. If you measure capillary or venous, you have a difference. And we have seen in healthies in, in a OGTT postprandially up to 30% difference between these two uh, compartments. So it's a bit difficult in the body. It depends on the place you measure, you will have differences. And therefore, the accuracy need to be for a degree that is, I would say, within 10 to 20% to, to make no larger failures. Um, but it's very difficult to, to, you can measure it in a lab device to a high degree of accuracy, uh, but on the way to the measurement are already differences uh, which you cannot uh, get rid of. Guido, thank you for speaking with us today. Uh, you're definitely a world leader in glucose monitoring, and I hope uh, people uh, listen to what you had to say. So to the audience, thank you for listening to the Diabetes Technology Report. We're available on Spotify and the Apple Store. Uh, on behalf of David Kerr and myself and Guido Fragman, thank you, and we will catch up with you at the next podcast. Bye, everybody. Thank you, thank you very much.